Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I am so psyched to have Joe Roberts, One Wine Dude. That's the name of his blog, wine reviews, great witty wine uh, articles. And Joe and I were recently uh, connecting on Facebook about things we would like to change about the wine world. So I invited him to join us today on The Sipping Point to go through our wish list of things we wish we could change about the wine industry, wine in general. Welcome to the show, Joe. Hey, thanks, Lori. Happy holidays. You too. That rhymes. Show, Joe. <laughs> you are a returning guest. We talked earlier uh, in this in a previous season, so I'm excited to have you back. And what I love about One Wine Dude and the way you approach wine writing is that you approach it really from a consumer perspective, very irreverent. You aren't part of the old guard wine industry well, is change. that right yeah i still drink, yeah. so it's important for me to make keep that connection <laughs> absolutely absolutely and yeah in the, in the industry we call it tasting don't we <laughs> uh, we we do well, that's uh, i i get paid to do that part sometimes you know for for um uh doing uh competitions and that sort of thing and um then i spit and at home, I still drink like everybody else. So <laughs> I, I, love it. I still have and that connection to the, the average uh, guy or girl out there who just wants a good bottle. I love it. Okay, so welcome to the show. And we I encourage people to visit your site and onewinedude.com and check out what you have to offer. You do some traditional wine reviewing, uh, like you know Robert Parker or The Wine Spectator. But you also do a lot of very thought-provoking articles, just speaking out on what you think might need to be changed about wine or to help the consumer have a better wine experience. So we are right now making our wish list for 2014 on things we wish we could change about the wine industry, wine in general. What is your first thing on your list? Yeah, I, I'm going to I'm gonna sound like a broken record on this one because I say it so often <laughs> on OneWineDo.com, but can we just get online already, please, wine producers, just get online. I mean, everybody's all their kids are on it it's all their cousins or everybody's online just pick you know i don't know pick a couple spots facebook twitter whatever one seems most natural to you and get on there and talk to your customers please everyone else is talking to them for you it's like so weird that you don't want to just talk to them so that right i love that top wine is one of the top 10 according to vintank um which is a think tech group in napa California specializes on wine and tech. According to them, wine's one of the most ten most talked about um, topics online. Period. Period. Wow. So it's way up there in terms of just volume of discussion. So look, producers, just get on there. Talk to us. We want to talk to you. Yes. Yeah, and I find that I love winemakers. They really are a lot like farmers in that they just really want to concentrate on the vines and making great wine. And I feel like sometimes there's the thought that marketing is not really that important <laughs> or that yeah. consumer interaction. I just have to make great wine and then everything will happen, right? Wrong. Right, exactly. Now, I respect <laughs> that and you got to make great wine, but it's like saying, I'll just make great wine. The checkbook, it's all going to balance itself. No, it's not. Like, right. I have no sympathy for that approach. Get off your, you know, okay. you gotta, you gotta get on your duff in front of the computer right. once in a while. Customers are waiting. They're waiting. And if you're a French winery and you have a website, 
have an English version because I don't know how many times I'm researching a wine I'm using for an event or for a corporate gathering, and they have a fabulous website, but not in English. So, <laughs> hey, I'd settle for one that, that isn't counts too. I would say doesn't, doesn't play Rachmaninoff and can't be translated by Google <laughs> Translate. I would just sell someone that would actually go. just text, even if it's in French. We'll figure it out. Right. All right. Well, number one on my list is another thing that I harp on, just like you, and that is I wish the whole wine industry would just lighten up already. I mean, I know we've been saying this for years and years, and I feel like you're on the same wavelength here, but some of our contemporaries just take themselves way too seriously and I think it really repels people from wanting to dive further into learning about wine and enjoying it and drinking it or tasting it or whatever you want to call it. People just want to drink wine and have a good time. Do you see this? I do and I'm most I'm probably most optimistic about that one. I think we'll continue to see major progress on that one in 2014. I think people are definitely waking up to that. We're we're, we're seeing some nice things happen in tasting rooms, outreach, uh, and not just, you know, cute, kitschy wine labels. It's not just that. It's actually making the whole experience fun and opening. I think we're seeing a lot of that. Um, We should see more, to your point. I think we will next year. I like it. And I don't know, uh, Joe, if you know, but I, I actually have a wine-tasting comedy show where I combine my stand-up comedy yeah, with my wine awesome. education. <laughs> and I think that is, you know, the more you can make people laugh and make make it less like it's a class and more like it's an experience and it's fun and you have the same attitude, I think this is just going to improve. So I, I also am optimistic, but it has to be tops of my list. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Because I'm so passionate about it. What's what's number two for you? Uh, let's put ingredients on the labels. You know, I'm, I've I've kind of had a differing opinions about this over the last year, but now I'm like, you know what? Let's just go for it. I did an interview with uh, Clark Smith, who's a, a consultant in California and um, made kind of semi-famous within the industry with uh, some interviews that happened with him and. Um, uh, really about the types of adjustments that are made to wine in in mm. the winery, right? And okay. I think people are so afraid to breach this topic with consumers that they just think everyone is this romanticized notion about how wine is made. And you know what? I don't think that's the case anymore. I mean, look, consumers aren't dumb, and we, we have so much information available at our fingertips. We're going to probably find mm-hmm. out what these things are, if it's adding acid or water or de-alcoholization or whatever, you know what, we shouldn't, I don't think we, you know, we don't expect top of the line, whatever, when we pay, you know, $15 for a pair of jeans, right? So if we're paying eight bucks for a bottle of wine, I don't think, you know what, I think we're okay with a little bit of, um, of adjustment in the winery to make it just accessible and, and tasty. You know, I think it's more, we just want to know what we're putting in our mouths, let, you know, give us the info, and we'll make the decision. And so, I, I'd like to see more people, you know, just breach that topic, talk about that, get it out in the open, so people aren't afraid of the stuff. The majority of which, of course, is not harmful to anybody. Hmm. And you know, I get a lot of questions when I'm when I'm doing events. People have this idea that if you buy a wine from Europe, that it's totally pure. There's no preservatives. There's no nothing. Wrong. <laughs> if it's from the California, then it definitely is shock full. Do you do you hear that? Because there's that. The, I don't know if it was started by the French Wine <laughs> Society uh, or what. Be. But people They're really believe that. Now I, I, I think 
people still have a notion. I mean, I have friends who, who you, you tell them that people buy grapes, you know, and they look at you funny. Like, what? They don't just walk out their back door and pick them off the vine and step on them with their own feet? I'm like, no, not for six bucks a bottle. They don't do that. You know, it's mm-hmm. like the economy is a scale. That's ridiculous to even think that. And it, I'm almost in this way kind of saying put the ingredients on there and push push some of that responsibility onto us as consumers. Let us see it. Let right. us make the decisions. And, you know, hey, if you've got something to hide, then, you know, maybe you should be rethinking how you do it. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. it's really just kind of going with the same openness that we're seeing with that trend that we're seeing in food and grocery chains and fast food everywhere. That the wine just needs to catch up. I like it. Now, we need to stop trying to educate everyone and just start inspiring consumers to try new things, to try new regions, new varietals. I think we've started this process, and I like to see what's already been done by people like yourself and other wine media. Uh, Eric Asimov wrote a great book. I don't know if – I think you probably have read it called How to Love Wine. Yep. And yeah, we uh, we've had him on the about that one. Yep. Yeah, me too. And, you know, as as a wine educator, I guess, you know, it's funny, I would embrace what he says in the book, but he's like, you know, we don't need to do wine education. We just need to let people learn to love wine. And I love that because people don't want details and stats and facts and malolactic and the consumer just wants to find a wine that they love to sip. And they're afraid to make the wrong choice or have something, that, you know, spend 20 bucks and have something they don't like. So instead of trying to give people too much detail and facts and mire them down, let's just inspire them by getting out there and, you know, getting them to try new things and showing them how, you know, they can have a Carmenere. And if they love Merlot, they probably will love that too. Uh, what, what do you think about that? Love it. I mean, it, in a way, it's another way of saying, yeah, we can't force people to love wine the same way we do as geeks. Like, there's just no way. You have to have a formative <laughs> right. experience. And I think what you're saying is let's make those formative experiences easier. Uh, and I completely mm-hmm. agree with that. Um, I would love to see more of that in 2014. To your point, I, I think we're seeing more and more. And getting somebody like Eric talking about it is fantastic because I think you know, you're just seeing that get a little bit more and more into the consciousness of everybody. I love wine education. Uh, I think there's room for both. I love geeking out, right. but to your point, let's at least let's open the door a little bit wider so that if people just want to get to that point, great. If they want to go further and geek out like us, then great. Right. I love it. And, and every wine class or dinner doesn't have to be into those serious details. You could have something for everyone because some people are coming for the social, some people are coming for the academic, and there has to be a little bit of everything. Um, so I, I love that point. All right, what what's next on your list? Everyone's going to hate me, but I'm going to say stop, stop using numbers to rate wines, or maybe Uh-oh. I should say stop oh. putting as much importance on the numbers. I think we're generally seeing that trend, um, especially with the Internet and proliferation of people like me who, who don't use those paradigms. Um, mm-hmm. I, all I can tell people is that Two things, just be cautious about how you use those numbers. Because on one side, you have to know yourself and you have to know the critic before you accept that number. And what I mean is if I, you know, somebody gives something an 89, but it's chock full of stuff that you love, and it doesn't matter that it's an 89. It just matters that it's not like a 70. You know what I mean? <laughs> that it didn't right. fail. Yeah. So if, if it's 95, but it's a style that you don't like, 
it doesn't matter how high that score is or how much money it costs. You're gonna, you're, mm-hmm. All you're going to do is waste 100 bucks on something you were never going to like. So I just would right. like to see people pay more attention to the, the critic or the a person making the recommendation or the site or whatever it is making the recommendation. Make sure you're lined up to that before you spend your money. Don't just go on a number. I fear we will and not think- see any progress on this in 2014, but we can hope. <laughs> Well, also with that, I think, and one of the things I talk about a lot is trusting your own taste and then learning what that is and how to describe it. And if you don't know that, it doesn't matter, you know, what the numbers are and what you try to follow because, you know, to that point, if you like a certain style of wine, that's what you need to be going after and then finding similar things and trying new avenues to that style that you like and going from there. But, I mean, you can go out and find a 100-point wine that most consumers are not going to like. And so, you know, you really have to know your taste and what you like. And it's it's a lot like art or food or other things, right? <laughs> so Exactly. Um, we can give you a quality assessment, but that doesn't mean not, it's, it's not a, you know, Jane Doe is going to love this assessment. And that's right. ultimately more important. Some of the numbers are more important if you're a – and this is going to bleed into my next wish list, but if you're a serious uh, wine connoisseur or a serious collector, then I think those things, and you're investing in wine possibly to make money, then then those things I think make more sense because that is going to affect the price that you buy and sell the wine. Uh, but most people, I don't know, 99% of people are not doing that. Ninety nine point nine 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 nine. Exactly, exactly. Well, and, and uh, to that serious in quotes uh, for sure. You know, this is my wine industry, wine educators, psalms, everyone out there. It's not all about the serious wine drinker. I go crazy when I'm reading articles, and it's like, you know, this is a serious wine, or this is for serious wine drinkers. And I'm thinking, to me, wine's all about fun and enhancing the dining experience, enhancing a social experience, learning, traveling. You know, why do we have to be serious? And if someone likes Moscato or someone happens to like a wine with a kangaroo on the label, it's all good. It doesn't mean that I'm going to like it because I know – what my taste is and what I prefer. But these are all wine drinkers, whether you like a Bordeaux or, you know, a Brichetto. Uh, So why do we have to always be making people feel bad if they're not a serious wine drinker? It's like, what say you? (laughs) Yeah. It's sort of a disproportionate amount of media attention goes to that. I agree. I mean, it's look, uh, people want to know, they want to know about the Lamborghini, right? If they get a chance, Mm-hmm. A lot of them probably want to test drive the Lamborghini. Not too many of them actually want to buy the Lamborghini or could buy the Lamborghini. So there's a voyeurism to right. that that is fun, and I, and that's awesome, and we geeks, of course, love that. But to your point, a lot, a lot of people want to know is, hmm, there are these, there's a lot of high-production wine out there. Is it any good? Uh, which ones are better than others? And um, sometimes not enough attention is paid to that market. And so I think I'd like to see a little bit of that, what you're talking about there. I mean, of course, we want to make things accessible to people. But maybe one way of right. doing that probably is also to let's beef up a little bit of the coverage of, of some of those good and bad, right, of some of right. those uh, higher production wines. Let people know what the bad ones are, too. 
and and don't make people feel less than or bad if they do enjoy that. I mean, you know, one one thing I'm always outing myself when I do events, and maybe maybe I can out you too. <laughs> the first one I tried was Boone's Farm Strawberry Hill. Remember that nice. stuff? I do. <laughs> nice. What about you? What was your first? I, you know, I think I once aged or tried. This is how little I knew about wine. I once tried to age a white Zin from Napa. <laughs> Napa, which I'm sure was like, was, was actually like a fun wine if I had actually drank the thing within at a month. At the time, it was good. Right. <laughs> at the time, it was supposed to be. A so we all, we all start somewhere, right? So, you know, let's give people exactly. a break and, uh, and and let them start there. And it's always fun to, hey, if somebody loves, loves White Zin, I'm going to try to get them to try a Riesling or, you know, so that's that's cool. But don't look down on someone for what they drink now because it doesn't match your taste. What what say you as your next wine resolution? Well, next one is gonna it might sound a little odd, but I say pick sides on wine apps if you're a producer. Mm. Pick a wine app. So what I mean by this, the world is going mobile. The world's already mobile. It's not going there. So we're mm-hmm. mobile. But that that doesn't mean that your winery needs an app. Okay. <laughs> Your winery doesn't need an app. <laughs> what your winery needs to do is look – the same thing it needs to do with social media is look at the different channels. In this case, there are apps, right? And you know what? Right. There's, there's a ton of them out there, same as there's a bunch of different social media channels. Well, they all serve somewhat different purposes. Pick one or two that seem to align best with what you're doing and go all in with those couple and probably ignore the rest. And it, I guess it's kind of similar to my get online. I mean, that's another way of talking to your customers, Right, but in, in sort of a, a different format. So now, full disclosure, I do work with a wine app, um, but I don't get nice. paid if they get more more people signed up. So it's not, you know, it's not like I'm trying to put right. people to it. But the point, I think, the point is, as I've watched your space wine and I've been involved in it. Well, the one I do some work with is called Wine for Me, uh, which is a very interesting okay. one. It's probably the only one that's actually popping corks. Um, so nice. that, you'll hear a lot more about that next year, I'm sure. But. Um, and that one's set up with scientific algorithms, and somehow I'm I'm repeatable enough when I taste to be scientific. Apparently, so uh, it's been great to be involved. Check it out. In yeah, and see how that stuff is evolving. And that I, the conclusion I came to was, you know what? Part of the reason there's dozens and dozens of these apps is because not enough producers are actually picking a couple and committing, and saying let's mm. build partnerships with these guys and go deep. I think they need to do that next year. Go deep. I like it. All right, we're going to take a quick break on The Sipping Point with Joe Roberts from One Wine Dude. We'll be right back. This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and we're back with Joe Roberts from OneWineDude.com. We're throwing out our wish list, our wine resolutions for the industry for 2014 We've had some great ones so far, Joe, and I might get in trouble. All these we're thinking we might get in trouble for, but I'll just put it out there. I feel like the whole wine industry needs to embrace direct shipping. Now, oh, I'm man. sure the distributors Absolutely. in my state are not going not gonna to agree with me here, but I really feel strong about a capitalist society <laughs> and freedom of choice and purchasing. Now, in Maryland, we have sort of a um, limited ability to allow direct shipping. So we can order wine direct from wineries that have permits to ship into our state. But 
we can't go and order wine from a retailer in another state and have that shipped to us legally. I actually think we have yet to repeal prohibition. I'm pretty sure that's <laughs> still on the books. Yep, you have a state-run system, probably even more uh, regulated than what we have here in Maryland. But, you know, to me, I understand we have this three-tier system, which, you know, the normal consumer doesn't always really get a visibility to. But you have your, you know, your seller, which is your restaurant or your retailer. You have a distributor from many different wineries, and then you have the actual producer. And then if it's overseas, you have importers and, and other people that are part of the process. But I feel like if you are adding value to the system, allowing some direct shipping from a winery here and there is not going to damage the whole three-tier system. It's just going to give consumers more choices, ability to order wines that a distributor would never even put on their books because they're so small, because they're so esoteric. What, what, do you, what are your thoughts there? Because I feel very strongly I'm about, us, I'm about get that. Some trouble. <laughs> I, feel very <laughs> I know. Too, We're going to so. get letters. I love it. I would, I'd actually turn this one around and I push it on your listeners. Okay, and this is what I would say as part of the, in 2014, if you find wine that you can't get. Right, you live in a state that, for whatever reason, you can't get that wine to you. You need to complain. You need to complain to your representatives, and you need to tell them that either, yeah, this is important to you, and that either they need to figure out how to update the outmoded business model of the three-tier system, right, or open everything up to the Mm -hmm. private sector. Uh, If if they don't do that. Yeah, it's got to be one or the other. So, you know, we shouldn't, as consumers, have to suffer through limited choice and additional costs just to protect something. That in case of Pennsylvania, puts puts money, additional money in the coffers. Like we we keep right. band-aiding a system. It, generally, I think for all the control states are like this. Uh, we keep band-aiding this system and band-aiding it and band-aiding it. Well, at some point, we have to address the fundamental problem, which is that it's just not keeping up. It's just not keeping up with right. the cap- capitalism at its best. Well, it's time they keep, you know, they got to catch up. And I think it's uh, the onus is kind of back on us as consumers I, to complain about it. And I do that every year. And I encourage all your listeners to do the same. I, I love it. And, I, you know, even between our two states, we're not that far apart. The reality is there are tons of people from Pennsylvania who come over here to Maryland to buy their wine. And beer. And Yep. And beer, yeah, and spirits. And now, you know, someone was just telling me the other day, you know, the cops are waiting at the border and they're giving out tickets. It's like, seriously? Really? <laughs> well, I think like, that yeah. probably happens. I don't understand. Only, that's only going to happen when those guys are forced to do it. Otherwise, I'm mm-hmm. sure. I mean, I won't speak to the police officers, police officers, but I'm sure most of them would tell you they have way better things to do with their time. You know, I mean, there's, there's way so. bigger fish to fry. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what's the next one on your list? You know, it, and I guess it's kind of similar to the, the general theme you've had of of openness. You know, and seeing more uh, tolerance, I guess. You know, for things across the wine industry. My number one is sort of a can't we all just get along? So I think we saw, we've seen the last couple of years, especially in the geek sector, okay, the really geeky sector of wine, we have seen people either, you know, taking sides on natural wine movement. You can't have any additives or anything whatsoever, or, oh, all the natural wine people are crazy and all the wines are spoiled. I mean, we've seen polarization that it's like mimicking, uh, it's mimicking Congress, 
right now, which is not good. Mm. Thing, okay. And uh, yeah. same thing, biodynamics. Uh, oh, this stuff is crazy. It's for lunatics. Oh, no, it's actually great for the grapes. I mean, back and forth, back and forth to uh, low alcohol wines. They're too thin and insipid. Oh, high alcohol wines suck. They're, they're too bloated. And look, we have to, I think, realize this market for wine and fi- even just for fine wine is so big. Uh, it's so diverse. There's absolutely room for every any kind of thing we could possibly imagine. I mean, there are kits you can buy where you can make wine from caterpillars. Okay? Yeah. I've had this. It's not very good. But the point is, <laughs> if we have markets for this, okay, then I think natural wine, biodynamic, all these things have some place. So I, I would like absolutely. to see people get – why can't we get riled up about wines that are just bad, you know, wines that are un- unbalanced, not, oh, this wine has some mm-hmm. sugar, therefore it can't be good. Uh, sorry, guys. My list of the best wines of the year in, was disproportionately high on dessert wines. You know why? They're nice. incredible. They're incredible. Mm-hmm. So there, is sp- there are spaces for all of this stuff, and I think we, we just have to be less dogmatic in general and instead, think about, well, how are we going to pitch and get these things to the people that most want them? And that gets a little bit easier and easier to do every year because it advances in technology and how we can market things and et cetera, et cetera. Well, you know what? Hopefully in 2014, we get a little closer to that being able to target those things directly to the people that want them and that they don't feel bad about wanting them because there's a place for everything. Oh, I love that. It's all about it's all about feeling good and enjoying wine, loving wine, and that Back ties in really nicely with <laughs> what you say. Back to basics, right? I love it, and it ties in nicely with my last one here, which is, you know, we talked about the system and the way the system is built. I feel like time and resources from many sides of the wine industry and wineries is focused on the trade, and people listening, the trade means. The person at your wine store that buys wine, the sommelier at your restaurant, right, the buyer at the restaurant. But many wineries, it's like they don't even care about reaching the end consumer, and I don't understand this because we're the wines, we're the wines, we're the people drinking the wine. They're the people that are going to have it at a restaurant and then go to their wine store and ask for it, recommend it to their friends, I just feel like this is really still not getting through in the wine industry. What do you what do you think about that? I agree. I would say we have seen I've said before that I don't think the wine industry actually cares about the customers or the consumers, I should say. Not and I don't mean that as mm-hmm. they don't like people. I mean, they've been involved in three-tier system or some levels of indirection from the people actually drinking the juice for so long that it's just not a natural state of affairs to talk directly with the people that are actually spending the money uh, on their product. That's so much easier to do now than it was five years ago. It's incredibly easy. But instead, they would rather give power to people like me who do talk to those folks. <laughs> now, look, I'll do that, okay? That's fine. I always tell them, look, I will, I'm, a, I'm a good person, but I'm not a nice guy. So if you want to give me that power, I'll take it. And I'll, I'll try and cash in on that. And then later, when you're trying to figure out how to do it yourself, you'll probably hire somebody like me, and then I'll charge you to tell you how I did it. <laughs> and so I'm going to double dip on you, okay? And there you go. Is, there's, there's power. There are ways now through online, social media that are really low cost 
for people to begin to test those waters and get in there and actually talk right to the people. I think the, the folks who have um, great tasting room experiences have figured out how to do this face-to-face already. So they right. wineries actually with tasting rooms actually have probably a, a potential leg up in doing exactly what you're, you're telling them to do there. They just don't realize it yet. Like they, they have that power. If they just extend that same vibe online in a natural way, mm-hmm. then they'll reach even more people. So hopefully we'll, we'll continue to see that trend. I think, we've, I think we started to see the wine industry wake up to that a little bit more over the last couple of years. The ones who are really winning, I think, now are people who are doing that. Right. This is great. We put out 10 wishes for wine resolutions for the wine industry for 2014. Joe Roberts from One Wine Dude. If folks want to check out your site, get in touch with you, I think you have a free report, some other things out there. How can they do that? They just go over to onewinedude.com. That's the that's the number one or O N E that'll work too. I'm hard I'm hard to miss online. I practice what I preach here. <laughs> so you can hit, you <laughs> right. can find me there or on Twitter or on Facebook. Uh, pretty open. I'll talk to you. Hit me up. Um, say hi, come heckle me, whatever you like. But, yeah, come check it out. I love it. Well, thank you so much for your time. And um, if you want to ever see Joe break out a can of whoop, well, you know what, you definitely have to check out his Facebook page and his website. He's really fun to read and listen to. And you do some um, live podcasting as well, right? Yeah, it's something we started um, in uh, 2013, or end of 2012, I should say, and we got about a year of it under our belts called The Punch Down. We do it on Google+, and you can find all about all of that as well on OneWindU.com. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, and Happy New Year. Thanks. You too. Cheers. All right. Cheers.